just the other day, some lady said, I didn't think once you had it, you could get it again. I said, that may well be true, but I've had it 10 times. And she looked at me like you're looking at me. You've had it 10 times? Oh, yeah, I've had this baby 10 times here. When it first started, I'd go home every day. Hey, hon, I, I think I have a temperature. And she, no, no, you don't. Ten minutes later, you, you sure I don't have a temperature? No, you don't have a temperature, Jeff. So then I'll go up to get the thermometer. And I, I go and take my temperature and, oh, okay, I don't have a temperature. But still I don't feel good. And, you know, the, the emotion that battles for control? So all of a sudden I, I say, okay, that one of the things is that you should be able, you have a hard time breathing. So I'll say, I tell my wife, hey, I'm going to go walk around the block. So I walk around the block. I have no problem breathing. So that's still not enough. So then I'll say, okay, have you been coughing? No, I haven't been coughing. Do you have a sore throat? Well, kind of from the post-nasal drip, but that's probably from my post-nasal drip with all the um, allergies. Spol pollen, yes. And then I'll say, well, I know it. I think I've lost my sense of smell. <laughs> nope, I haven't done that. And then I'll, um, well, it's lost of taste. And when I'm in the office and I'm going through this whole battle of control, when it gets to the loss of taste, I start trying to find out where Nancy has hid the chocolate. So I can have a piece of chocolate to make sure that I haven't lost my sense of smell, I mean, my sense of taste. And sure enough, and what I find myself doing is there's this emotion inside that's trying to tell me I have something that I don't. And I find myself saying, worry, you're not the boss of me. Anxiety, you're not the boss of me. And over these next six weeks, we're going to learn how to say a no to emotions such as guilt. Do you know guilt is a big emotion that paralyzes many people today? We're going to learn how to say no to envy. And envy is one of those emotions that, boy, when you go on Facebook, man, when you see what everybody else is supposedly doing and what everybody else supposedly has, it's real easy to become envious. And we're going to learn how to say no to anger, fear, greed. Now, all of us, we try to monitor our behavior. And if you don't try to monitor your behavior, then usually you have a spouse who will be your buffer to try to monitor your behavior. Now, why do we try to monitor our behavior? To stay out of trouble. And along with staying out of trouble, we monitor our behavior because we want invites. We want to get invited over to someone's house for dinner. Or we want to get invited out for dinner. Or we want to get invited to a party. Because after all, no one's going to have you over if you don't learn how to control and monitor your behavior. As well as that, we want people to come to our house. But I don't want someone to, I don't want to invite someone that doesn't, monitor their behavior. So we monitor our behavior to stay out of trouble so that we can get invites. We monitor our behavior so we can get a job. 
We monitor our behavior so we can keep our job. We monitor our behavior because, well, perhaps we um, want a date, and then we want a second date, and then we want a third date, and then we want to get married, and then we got to monitor our behaviors because we want to stay married. We monitor our behaviors because, well, there's a new sheet out, ways to serve at the church, and if I can monitor my behavior, maybe I can serve in a certain area for the church. We monitor our behaviors. Now, speaking of monitoring for a moment, this is totally sidebar. I, there's not much that grabs my attention on Facebook. But I saw this post the other day from a fellow I went to college with, Jim Benton. In fact, his parents are the founders of the Walter Hoving Home. Talking about monitoring. They know we are Christians by our not political put-downs, not by our unkind means, not by name-calling, not by divisive talk, but they'll know we are Christians. Come on. By our love. I was talking to a fellow minister this week about Facebook, and here's his rule for Facebook. I, I thought it was so funny. He says, family, fun, and because I'm Italian, food. Family, fun, and food. And that's his rule for Facebook. Now, over the years, we have learned how to monitor our behavior. But Jesus says, and, and let me pause for a moment. If you're here this morning or you're watching online or you're over in Building B and you've never considered following Jesus, if you never asked Jesus into your heart, Here's one of the reasons why we need to make Jesus our Savior and Lord. Because Jesus invites us to take our monitoring to a new level. To look past simply monitoring our behavior. Jesus says, I need you to go a little deeper than just monitoring your behavior. I need you to look inside and here's our key verse for this morning but the things that come out of our mouth come from the heart the things that come out of our mouth come from our heart now if you're like me you have these toxic voices that compete for control. You have these toxic voices that try to communicate to your emotions and your emotions try to take root down into your heart. And every time I let those toxic voices communicate to emotions that take root into my heart, I always find myself getting in trouble. And Jesus says, I want to take you on an adventure. Turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. 
Matthew chapter 15. And this adventure in Matthew chapter 15 begins with an accusation. And here's the accusation. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem. And they asked him, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Gross. Yuck. So guess who pops in for a visit? The scribes and the Pharisees. The bigwig, the bigwigs from the denominational headquarters in Springfield, Missouri. No, I'm sorry. From in Jerusalem. Now, these are the bigwigs. It's thought that they are part of the Sanhedrin, the highest governing body. This scene would be like Let's say for a moment, in through this door walks Ruth Ginsburg, Clarence Thomas, and Roberts, John Roberts. That's, that's what it would be like. And Jesus is probably thinking to himself, did you come all this way? just to complain that my guys aren't washing their hands before they eat? What gives? Isn't it interesting? I don't know if you ever take, took note of this. But when you read through the New Testament, it's always the religious people who are giving Jesus the problems and not those who are lost. They're always trying to get him in a trap. They're always trying to separate Jesus from the crowd. They're always trying to expose him as a phony, as a fake, as a hypocrite. Your disciples break the traditions. Now, can I say this? Not all traditions are bad. Traditions can be good and bad. If a tradition keeps us from doing something good, then as far as I'm concerned, that tradition is bad. If that tradition keeps us from worshiping, Traditions are to enhance our worship. But if traditions keep us from worshiping, then so many times a tradition can become an idol that we worship and keeps us from the real truth. Jesus knows that the scribes and the Pharisees have made religion an outward matter. And not an inward experience. And when traditions keep us from truth. 
we get in trouble. Now, what is actually meant by the tradition of the elders? What are the tradition of the elders? Where did this even come from? Where did this even originate? I found this interesting that supposedly when Moses went up on Mount Sinai and came down with the Ten Commandments written, etched in stone, that supposedly he received another hundred and three, a hundred and another hundred and three commandments that were verbal but were not to be written down. And through the years, they were passed on. Have you ever played the game telephone before? Where Bonnie starts with one thing and whispers it to Aaliyah, and they whisper it to Ray and Marianne, and they whisper it back, and it goes all the way around. And when it comes all the way over to the Browns, how many know that what was said to Bonnie is going to be totally different than what the Browns receive? And through the years, this unwritten law has only been known to a few, and it is known as the tradition of the elders. That has been not written, but has been passed down verbally through the years. And Jesus says, oh, really? Really? Now let's take a look at the answer Jesus gives. And the answer that Jesus gives is a counter question, a counter argument, and a counter accusation. Now listen to how Jesus responds to this accusation that the Pharisees and the teachers of the laws made. He says this in verse 3. Jesus replied, and why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? Why do you break the command of God? What's Jesus saying? Jesus saying, you're accusing my guys of operating outside the lines of a verbal law when you're are operating outside the lines of the written law of God. Do you see it? You're complaining to my guys for not keeping this law that is hearsay when you guys are operating outside the lines of the very written word command that comes from God himself and not the elders. Whoa. Can I tell you something? Never, ever get in an argument with Jesus. Never get in a debate with Jesus. Now, along with this counter question, he gives this counter argument. God said, for God said, honor your father and your mother. Honor your father. Now, in that command, 
includes many things. One of the things that it includes is taking care of them when they're older. Amen, Pastor Bonnie? Yeah, okay. <laughs> taking care of them when they're older. Now, what did the Jewish people do? Jesus says, but you say that if a man says to his father or mother, whatever help you might otherwise have received from me, it is a gift devoted to God. Now, I got to explain this. Before the days of social security, When the parents got older, it was the responsibility of the kids to provide for them financially. Now, what was taking place is this. The Jewish people learned that there was something called, and you see this in Mark chapter 7, verse 11. It's called Korban. Anybody ever hear of Korban? That a Jewish person, if they received income, if they received money, it could be considered as Corbin, a gift devoted to God. And a gift devoted to God, guess what? Did not have to be shared with their parents. So basically what they were doing is the Jewish people learned how to get around this command by saying, what I have received is Corbin. It's a gift devoted to God. They take it to the temple, they put it in their account, and their parents can have no access to it. Isn't that interesting? He is not to honor his father with it. That which has been devoted to God, they were taking it, saying this income, it's a gift from God, it's Corbin. We put it in our temple account, and now our parents have no access to it. Thus, Jesus says, boy, you have what? Nullified. That's a tough word. You have nullified you have canceled. You have undermined the word of God for the sake of tradition. You have this tradition that says, if income is received, I can dedicate it unto God. Then my parents have no access to it. Tradition. And Jesus says, you have canceled. You have undermined the law of God. Yikes. Nowhere did Jesus ever say, I am the way, the tradition, and the life. But I am the way, the truth, and the life. And Jesus is saying, you have nullified, you have canceled out truth. So he counteracts with a question. He counteracts with an argument, 
And then he counteracts with his own accusation. You hypocrites. Wow. You know what a hypocrite in the Greek is? It's a play actor. In the Greek, it's a play actor. You are playing to be someone you're not. For you honor me with your lips. You monitor your outward behavior, but deep down inside, your heart is far from me. Now you're ready for the application. We looked at the accusation. Then we took a look at the answer Jesus gave as a counter question, a accusation. Now for the application. Jesus called the crowd to him. Hey guys, come here. As a crowd was gathering, he, he said, come here, gather in here. Come here, come on, come on. Come on. And he said, listen and understand. What goes in a man's mouth does not make him unclean. But what comes out of his mouth is what makes him unclean. And they're just kind of like, because what have they been taught? And Jesus, at this point, just kind of like turns and starts to walk away. His disciples are following him. They look back, and they don't even know what he meant, but they're saying, take that. And then when the disciples get Jesus by himself, they say, Do you, listen, man. They think that Jesus just dissed their, their religious, sacred eating habits. You just offended the Pharisees. And Peter, being a good Jewish boy, has grown up that there are some things you don't eat and there's some things that you do eat and he's a little confused and Peter's not going to fully understand until Acts chapter 10 when he gets his vision of what's clean and what's unclean and Peter just says can you explain this to us can you explain this parable to us and at that point I can just vision Jesus going up to Peter and kind of like patting him on the shoulder maybe messing with his hair a little bit and saying are you so dull are you are you so dull and then Jesus says don't you see that whatever goes into the mouth goes into the stomach 
and then out of the body. And I can see Jesus saying it with a big grin on his face, like, and the disciples saying, no, we're not that dull. And then Jesus straightens up. Now listen very, very carefully. But the things that come out of your mouth comes from the heart. And that's what makes a man unclean. Your heavenly father is more concerned about what comes out than what goes in. For it's the things that come out that make him unclean, not the things that go in. So what is the source of your uncleanliness? Hey, if you forget and you don't wash your hands before you eat and it goes in. God's not going to say, gotcha, time out. Because what goes in will eventually comes out. But your offensive words, your deeds, how you treat one another, that's what comes from your heart and that's what makes you unclean. For out of the heart, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. What, does all, what do all of them have to deal with? Come on. What do all of them have to deal with? How we treat one another. These are what makes a man unclean. But eating with washed hands does not make him unclean. Jesus is saying you're so worried about monitoring your outward behavior. Jesus says that what goes in doesn't make you unclean. But it's monitoring what's in your heart and what in your heart comes out of your mouth of how you treat others. That's what makes you unclean. Wow. Listen, religious rituals, traditions are helpful. But if you think we earn points with God, if you think they give us credit with God, you know what makes God smile? It's how you treat others. That's what makes him smile. Hey, missing a service, missing your quiet time, missing communion Sunday, while all that's important, they are not what makes us unclean. But if you treat, mistreat one of God's creatures, if you mistreat one who has been made in his image, man, that's a whole nother thing. You see it? 
anger. You're not the boss of me. Fear. You're not the boss of me. Envy, greed, insecurity. You're not the boss of me. Man, how our relationships would be different if we were to monitor our heart instead of our behavior. Bitterness, unforgiveness. You're not the boss of me. What if, you had, what, what if your father, what if your earthly father had not allowed anger and guilt to be the boss of him? What if your earthly mother had not allowed fear or envy to be the boss of her? Do you know we all have a boss? His name is Jesus. And do you know what boss our boss says? Come to me. Come to me. All who are wearied and are burdened. And I will give you rest. Follow me. Let me be the boss of you. I'll do something for you. You don't need to do anything for me. I just want to do You don't need to do anything for me. Just come. And take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And as you monitor what's deep down inside, you won't have to monitor your behavior because what's inside is pure, true, righteous. And it's not a matter of what goes in. Jesus says it's a matter of what comes out. And what comes out comes from the heart. So make sure you monitor what's deep down inside. For that is what makes you clean. How you treat one another. Would you bow your heads with me? Oh, thank you, Lord. Glory to your name. Holy Spirit, I know that you are right here. I know you're in the people over in Building B. You're in the homes of those who have been watching online. Anxiety, fear, worry, panic, stress, guilt, bitterness. You're not the boss of me. Jesus is.
And Lord, we kind of like laugh at those scribes and Pharisees, but Lord, we see ourselves in them because we make so many stipulations. We make so many stupid rules. We, we make up so many different traditions. And so many times we try to base our relationship with you is how we monitor our behavior. And, and, and Jesus says, it's, it's not what goes in, but it's what comes out. 